All right, guys, we're in Lesson 14 today. Uh, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at the first 18 verses. And we're going to continue with Paul's discussion about freedom. Now, remember, he was talking about this in chapter 8 with regards to the issue of food, such as food that had been offered, particularly meat that had been offered to idols. And, and the mature would say, well, that's okay, an idol's nothing, I can eat that steak. But someone who's immature in the faith, who just came out of that temple worship to these false gods, would say, no, 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 that, that was dedicated to a god. And so they just ate vegetables. They couldn't handle it. And so there was judgment and even scorn shown between the two. And he's talking about the issue of freedom. And he talked about that sometimes, if you're mature, you need to give up your right for the sake of the immature. Okay? Give up your right for the sake of the immature for the greater whole. Now, that is the principle that we have here in Scripture as far as how we're supposed to act with each other as believers. Okay? Now, you. It, it's not necessarily saying give up your right for somebody who's legalistic, because that's a whole nother category, okay? But it's give up your right for the sake of somebody who's immature in the faith, so that they can grow in Christ. So what Paul's going to do now in chapter 9 is he's going to give you an example of that, okay? He's going to give you a, an example of what does that look like when we talk about doing that. Because that sounds good, right? Give up your rights for the sake of others, right? It sounds good. But what does that look like? Okay? He's going to show us that what it looks like through his own life, through his being an apostle. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look first of all at verses 1 through 11, and we're going to talk about the rights of an apostle. Now, as an apostle there were certain things that he had a right to do, and he's going to talk about them here. So look with me uh, at verse 1. Paul says this, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I, who have no right to refrain from working for a living. Who serves as a soldier in his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruits? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses... You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for the ox that God is concerned? 
does he not certainly speak for your for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? It's an interesting conversation here. What in the world is he talking about, George? Okay, well, remember, he's going to give you an example of somebody who has rights who's setting them aside. So the first thing he's going to do here in these first 11 verses, he's going to talk about what his rights are. Okay? He's got certain rights as an apostle. So let's take a look at what they are. So first of all, Paul is an apostle in the truest sense since he witnessed the risen Christ. Now, in order to be an apostle, you had to have seen the risen Christ. And did Paul see the risen Christ? Yeah, on the, on the road to Damascus. In fact, if you read in Acts, from that time on, in the passages concerning Paul, it is amazing to me that there are many little references that we can overlook where it talks about the Lord coming and meeting with Paul. So it's not just he had a one-time meeting with the Lord. It talks about him having several meetings with the Lord. That's kind of amazing. So he's an apostle in the truest sense. He points out that they are an evidence of his apostleship. Now, who's they? The Corinthians. He talks about their existence, their salvation, their existence as a church is an evidence of the fact that he is an apostle. Okay? So it's an evidence of his being an apostle. Now, he's going to respond to some critics here in verse 3 because there were some people who would say that Paul wasn't, and they did very, very vocal in that day who were very vocal that Paul wasn't an apostle. They particularly were the ones who wanted everybody to follow, follow the Jewish law. Their concept was, in order for you to become a Christian, you had to become a Jew first. And Paul was saying, no, no, I've been called by Jesus to be an apostle to who? The Gentiles. So in verse 3, he says, this is my defense to, to those who would examine me. So here's what he's saying. He, he's going to respond. Paul was criticized for not exercising the rights of an apostle. So part of what the criticism was is, is Paul doesn't exercise his rights as an apostle. That's kind of a funny way to approach it, isn't it? He's not an apostle because he doesn't do the things the apostles do. He's not claiming the rights as an apostle. Now, that's, you would think that's kind of crazy thinking, but for some reason they thought that was a valid thing, that if he was an apostle, he should be claiming these certain rights. And because he isn't, he's not an apostle. That's, that's really weird thinking, right? Go ahead, Mike. Probably they were known as, um, they, we would call them legalists, but they would be those in the church who felt you had to keep the Old Testament law. They're probably, some of them were originating from the Pharisaical order or have been influenced by them. They were the law keepers. 
they would say, Paul, they would say that if you're a Gentile, in order for you to be a Christian, you need to be circumcised. No, these are the Jews. These are Jude. They're also known as Judaizers. Okay, and so they would say, "Well, he's not using his right. How can he be an apostle? He's not even doing the things the apostles do." What do you mean doing the things? Well, he's going to give a list of things that the apostles were able to do. Paul's not doing them. It's the Jewish segment. We've got to remind ourselves, remember, that when you're talking about the early church, so this would be sometime around A.D. 40-something, A.D. 50, most of these churches were made up of Jews as well as Gentiles who would come to faith. Remember, Paul would first go and evangelize where? In the synagogue. And when he was rejected by the synagogue, he would say in a book of Acts, I'm going to the Gentiles. And then there would be a group of Gentiles, probably God-fearers who had some introduction to the Old Testament, who would come to faith. So most are Jewish. Okay, now it changes, especially in A.D. 70. Why does it change? What gets destroyed in A.D. 70, anybody? Anybody know? The temple and Jerusalem. And so the church from A.D. 70 becomes more and more predominantly Gentile. To the point today, is it, would you say the church worldwide is mostly Gentile? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, there are some Messianic congregations, but they're pretty small, and they're such a small number, okay? So he was criticized for not exercising his rights. Now, here are his rights. First of all, an apostle has the right to food and drink. So the right of the apostle was is that if an apostle came, so for instance, let's say Cephas, which is another name for Peter, came to visit them. His right as an apostle was is that if he showed up, it was the church's responsibility to make sure that he was what? Had food and drink. And so Paul says it's a right of the apostle to be given food and drink. Now what we're going to see is he didn't exercise that right. He didn't put the burden of his care on that congregation. Isn't that interesting? Because he was concerned more, and he's going to explain why here in a moment. All right, he had the right as an apostle to bring his wife and have her net needs met, not just him show up. If he had a wife, and there's some question as to whether or not Paul had a wife, he may have had a wife, he may not have had a wife, but if he had a wife, he had the right for the congregation to not just meet his needs, but to meet her needs. And with her would probably be if there were any kids with him. Okay? So he had that right. Again, he's not exercising that right. <clears throat> the apostle had the right to not work and have his needs met by the church. So again, like if, if Peter showed up, Peter basically would have all, he had the right to just focus on what? Teaching, being an encouragement, evangelizing, prayer. Who was supposed to take do all the work? Everybody else was supposed to take care of him. Now, what did Paul do? When Paul showed up in a community, did he do this? What do we know about Paul? This is where we get, the, we get a term from this. 
what did he spend his time during the day doing? Yeah, he was a tent maker. He made tents. That's where we get the, the, the statement today in our Christian circles about being a tent maker, a pastor who works for himself but pastors. He basically says, I didn't do that. I'm not exercising those rights. Now, he has a reason, and in most of his letters, he says the reason why he works, because he did not want to be a what? A burden on that church. Because think about it for a moment. If, you had a, if you're a, a small church, and this is the very beginning, most of the people there are either slaves, maybe a few people who had, because they met in households that maybe had some kind of money or whatever, do you think it would be a struggle to take care of all these traveling apostles who came in and meet their needs every time they're there? Would you think that would be difficult? Yeah. Would that place a burden on them to financially take care of everybody all the time? Yes. Especially in an era where they didn't have buildings and stuff, but and most people didn't have finances. So Paul points to examples from the world to show the principle of the right. He's going to point to examples here to show principles that he had concerning this right. So look with me at verse 7. Here's what he says. Verse 7. Who serves as a soldier as his own expense? So I think right now everybody knows I have a son who's in the Navy. Sawyer's serving our country in the Navy, okay? And I can tell you right now, he's not paying for the right to be a sailor out of his own pocket. He's being paid by who? Uncle Sam, right? By, by, the, by the U.S. government. That's the way it is. Everywhere, you, you understand, you have an army, you have a soldier, who's going to pay him? Does he pay for it himself? No. But rather, financially, the commitment comes from whoever has him in a service. So he's talking about a soldier here. Let's go on. Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruits? That would be like, Brad, if you had in your backyard a grape arbor with beautiful Concord grapes, and I'm thinking about it coming up on spring and at, at harvest time for those grapes, you never eat any of those grapes because you shouldn't. You should just give them all away. Never. Is that, is that right? No. You would be eating your own grapes, right? You would be taking part of your own fruit, whether you had an olive grove or vineyards or whatever. If you have corn, I mean, you grow something, you, share, you, you, you partake. That's just natural, right? Okay, so he's talking about natural rights here. What else does he say here? Look with verse 7. He says... Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So if you're a dairy farmer, do you sell all the milk there? Dairy farmers drink milk from where? From the cow, their own cows. So he's trying to show examples here of where uh, the principle is about these rights that you have. Now here's what he's going to say. He points out that the law... Points, points to the law to show the rights that he has as an apostle. So he's going to show from the law that there are certain things that they have rights to do. So he points to the law of Moses 
about you don't muzzle an ox when he's treading grain, meaning he can eat the grain as he's treading it, right? Yes, you don't muzzle an ox. Okay, but here's the point. He points out that they have a right to share in the blessing of the church. They have a right to share in the blessing of the church. All right? So we need to understand that. Well, then that gets us to, I thought you were going to talk about him giving up his rights. Well, yeah, that's where we're going to see in verses 12 through 18. So notice with me verse 12 through verse 18. If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we've endured anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrifice, sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure such a provision. For I would rather die then have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will... I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. All right, so let's talk about his example here. Here's the first thing I want you to see, okay? First of all, while they had the right, now does everybody agree that Paul had the right to everything he just talked about? All right, while he had the right, they did not use it. He didn't use it. That was the way he operated. He didn't use it. He never asked. He could have, but he never asked. Not just him, but Barnabas, who was with him. All right, so Paul did not want to hinder the work of the gospel. Paul didn't want to hinder the work of the gospel. All right, let's talk for a moment. Why do you think that would have hurt the... Why do you think if he was demanding his rights, that would have hindered the work of the gospel? What do you think? What do you, off your, give me your gut feeling right off the top of your head. Why do you think if he showed up and said, look, you've got to take care of me, you've got to take care of my wife if she's here, you got to, I don't need to work. And if he was pushing his rights... How would that have hindered the work of the gospel? Okay, so if they focused on just meeting his needs, then the, what was most important would not happen. That's pretty good, John. Anyone else? 
out. Some smaller places wouldn't be able to afford to take care of him. And did Paul go to the small places? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And, and, and so let me just kind of point out to you, some of these churches were really struggling. How do I know that? Well, go to the seven churches in uh, the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3. When you read about some of those churches, it very clearly says that they're in poverty, they're struggling, they're facing persecution. They, they wouldn't be able to do this, okay? So Paul's thinking about how it would hinder the gospel, okay? How it would hinder the gospel. Do you think this is true today? In what way? What do you think? How do you think it's true today? I want you to process it for a moment. What, what, what's the number one complaint? If you go to a church, now we don't do this here, but if you go to the church where once a, one month out of the 12 months of a year, there's a stewardship month where you just talk about giving, and if you're constantly being told as a church to give, 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 what, what do people start thinking it's about? Okay, Gene, you said it. All they want is my money. Now, have you heard that outside of the church from people? All they want is your money? I mean, I can remember as a young Christian in 1985 hearing that. Do you, do you understand? Now, does that hinder the gospel? Yeah. Okay. I think more importantly, the pastor or the heads of the church become the idol and not the center of the church's Christ. Yes. It's like because your focus is on, I'm taking care of him. He's the most important thing in the church. Okay. You know, it's not that your your mind and your heart gets off of what the real path is. It's yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Now, the thing is, it's important to take care of your leaders. Yes, okay. But, but listen to me, but be balanced. And don't demand rights. Did you understand what I'm saying? And don't push it. Because you have to consider what first? What's the overall issue that we have to consider? The gospel. That's the issue, right? And Paul's saying, I don't want to hinder the gospel. This was his, this was his, way of approaching it. Okay, so those who serve in the temple are supported by the temple. That's a that's a scriptural principle. When you look at the law, the law very clearly took care of the priests in the temple because they could take a part of the offerings, right? He's saying that. All right, now, the Lord commanded that those who minister for the gospel be supported by it. So, yeah, we understand. We've got to take care of those who minister. But the focus needs... Paul did not exercise his right as an apostle. He's giving up his right for what he would see to, to validate the point in, ch in chapter 8, the immature. He's doing it for the sake of someone else. He's given up his right for the sake of somebody else. Now, do you understand why he's using this illustration? He's trying to put feet to what he just told us in chapter 8. Give up your right for the sake of others. That's what he's doing here, okay? That's what he's doing. So he's not writing them to exercise this right. So he's, one, I thought this is interesting. In the midst of this discussion of telling them what he's doing, he's got to stick it in there because he's got critics. Oh, he's just telling us this so that we could do this. No, no, he's putting it in there. I'm not writing you this so that you start giving me my rights, 
I'm trying to illustrate the principle of giving up your rights for the sake of others. So he's, he's, he's making the point here, I'm not writing them to exercise that right, okay? I'm not writing them to exercise that right. So what does he, what's the issue with him? Why does he do this? It's about boasting. It's about what's most important. What do you mean boasting? Well, look with me at verse 16. Here's what he says. For if I preach the gospel that gives me no grounds for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Here's what I want you to see. Paul wants to disarm his critics with the fact that he preached for free. He wanted to disarm them. He wanted to disarm these Judaizers because... Let's stop for a moment. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Are there people who, quote, do ministry simply for money? Now, you see them on TV. God told me I need to get a new jet because I can't fly economy because it's filled. I mean, I think that quote was, the planes are filled with demons. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Whoa, okay, you know. Uh, next time I fly on a plane, I need to be aware of that, right? No, no, okay? You know, but the reality is we still have the same problem today. Some people are doing it for what? Money, their own glory or, or whatever. And Paul says, I'm doing this for free. He's disarming his critics who are talking about his motivation here. He's, he's motivated to see them grow. Now let's go on. He could not boast in preaching since he was simply doing as he was commanded. So even his preaching, he couldn't just say, oh, you know, look at what I've done, my preaching and teaching. No, no, he can't even do that because he's just doing what he was told to do. Do you know what I'm saying? He was just doing what he was told to do. Now, he does say, though, if you look at verse 17 and 18, that there is a reward in preaching. Here's what he says. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if it is not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right. That's his, that's his reward. Just simply doing it for free for the sake of others. So here's what he says. He would be rewarded for preaching the gospel freely. He knows that. He's going to be rewarded for preaching it freely. Paul's going to hear one day, one thou, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? He's probably already heard it. Okay? That's his reward. Our reward isn't what we achieve here. Our reward comes from the Lord. That's why he's doing this. So his reward is the ability to boast that he freely ministered to them. That's his boast. God took care of me. I was able to go and and start this church and plant this church and, and, and instruct this church, and I did it with God's grace, 
Not because they gave me something. Okay? Not because they gave him something. Now, now let, let's stop for a moment. Why is he going through this whole thing? So we focused on the whole issue of ministry. What, let's get back to what the overall issue is. The overall issue is, is sometimes, all right, do we have rights as believers? Do we have rights as believers? And sometimes you become more aware of your rights as you get older in the Lord, as you become more mature, right? But is everybody on the same level maturity-wise? No. Even if you've been walking with Jesus a long time, you may be immature in an area where somebody else maybe is younger is mature. But the point is, we're all at different levels. Now, should we be just concerned with ourselves? No. We should be concerned for who? All other believers in the body of Christ. All other believers in the church. So, he's trying to show us through his example that yes, you have rights. And you can exercise them. But you need to be sensitive to who others around you to say, I'm not going to exercise that right because I don't want to hinder them. I don't want to hinder them. I don't want to hinder their spiritual maturity or their growth in Christ. So when I'm with them, I don't exercise my right. When I'm with them. Maybe if I'm with another group of believers who are mature and they were all exercising that, that's one thing. But if I'm with somebody who's immature, I don't exercise that right for their sake. This is the illustration that he's saying to them. He's trying to prove to us, give up your right for the sake of others. Give up your right for the sake of others. Now, the impetus here is that you make sure that you are paying attention to what's going on around you. Quit being in your own little world and start thinking outside of your world. Do you understand? And minister to people around you. So sometimes you give up your right. You give up your right. 